Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast, where Mary Malone and her guests have authentic conversations about leadership, navigating transitions, and finding purpose both at work and at home. We hope this conversation will give you the inspiration, power, and courage to reach for greatness while making a difference for someone else. Now, here's your host, Mary Malone McCarthy. Welcome to Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. My name is Mary Malone McCarthy, and I'm so pleased to welcome all of you today. Today is probably one of the most memorable podcasts that I've recorded in quite some time. I was lucky enough, and I will say blessed enough, to cross paths with a remarkable person that I um, am proud to now call friend, Donna Hughes, who's the Chief People Officer at Emblem Health. And throughout our conversation today, you are going to learn a fresh and re-energizing and much-needed perspective on what true servant leadership is, diversity and inclusion, and really building an inclusive environment to welcome and to hear all who are at the table. The difference between mentoring and coaching, a word that's often intertwined, and Donna talks a lot about the mentors that have impacted her life and the coaching that she does on an ongoing basis. And Donna will also share a great story about the really powerful and important work that's been taking place at Emblem Health and the development of their leaders, their culture, and their values that started pre-COVID and were put to the test during COVID. And I will say came out um, stronger and with such affirmation that they're on a path to such a bright and incredible future, not only for the Emblem team members, but for those communities that they are part of. So before I welcome Donna to the show officially, let me tell you a little bit about her and share her bio with you. Donna Hughes is the first Enterprise Chief People Officer for Emblem Health, the family of companies, one of the nation's largest nonprofit health insurers with 3.1 million members and approximately 5,000 employees. In her time at Emblem Health, she's focused on engagement, retention, diversity, equity and inclusion, and driving a high-performance culture during the company's rapid transformation. Prior to joining Emblem Health, Ms. Hughes served as the Senior Vice President, Human Resources for Impacts Laboratories, Inc., a specialty pharmaceutical company. Ms. Hughes is also an accomplished attorney and has held key in-house counsel roles with various organizations. In March 2020, Crane's New York business named Ms. Hughes one of New York's most notable women in talent. And in April 2021, Ms. Hughes was recognized nationally by Diversity Leadership, Inc. as one of its 2021 top 50 HR professionals, which is no surprise. Ms. Hughes believes in servant leadership and is passionate about developing leaders to give their best in business and in their communities. She has served on numerous nonprofit boards, And as the CPO of Emblem Health, Ms. Hughes participates in the organization's volunteer efforts throughout New York. Ms. Hughes received her Juris Doctor from Rutgers University School of Law in Newark, her Bachelor of Arts from Rutgers College, Rutgers University, 
and a master's certificate in next-gen human resources from Rutgers School of Management and Labor Relations. So let's jump right in. We have a lot to cover. Stick with us because I think as we close today's conversation out with a hot topic of recruiting and retaining top talent, you'll see where all of the values and the leadership qualities that Donna lives by comes to full fruition. So please join us in welcoming Donna. Thank you. Good morning. Welcome, Donna. I'm so pleased to have you part of the Podcast Moments with M3 Leadership podcast. And as I've shared with our audience, your name is Donna Hughes, and you're the Chief People Officer with Emblem Health. And we've had the opportunity, and I have to say it was, it was a game-changing experience for me to have a couple conversations with you pre this recording to learn about you and your thoughts on leadership. And I'm so looking forward to sharing this with our audience today. So welcome. Thank you, Mary Malone. I'm happy to be here. Oh, that's fantastic. As we start today's conversation, I'd love to open it up for you to tell our audience a little bit about your story and your career and how you decided to make the move to join Emblem Health and where you are today. Sure. So so as you mentioned, I'm the chief people officer and I didn't come to HR in the most traditional route. I started my career as an attorney and private practice and and then in-house in corporations. And at some point, I focused more on labor and employment law. So, of course, human resource professionals were my frontline colleagues and, and clients. And there came a time when I really started to spend more time on best practices mm-hmm. from an HR perspective, from a leadership perspective, than I did on pure legal advice, as many in-house attorneys sometimes find themselves doing it wearing more than one hat. And I really enjoyed that work and and was given the opportunity to run many leadership teams with respect to mergers and acquisitions uh, while I was in a pharmaceutical company doing a lot of growth at the time and focused on a lot of the best practices from a human resource standpoint and running cross-functional teams to do that and really focused on retaining and attracting the, the best and the brightest of the talent to do what it was that we needed to do as a rapidly growing organization. And from that, a colleague who I worked with went off to be a CEO at a small cap pharma company. And he called me and he said, Donna, you know, when when I needed advice from a legal perspective, I came to you. When I needed counsel and support from an HR perspective, I came to you. I'd like you to come be my chief human resource officer. Mm. And so that's really how I officially changed hats. I was changing hats for many years, but that forced me to, to, to officially take off the legal hat. And I did that for several years and moved the organization forward to be ready from a human capital standpoint for a major merger. And then I joined Emblem Health shortly after that. And I've been at Emblem Health for just a little over two years. It seems a lot longer because we've done a lot. You have. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) Absolutely. That's fantastic. And it's interesting that you started your career on the legal side of it. And then as you were chatting, you were intertwining a lot about best practices and the people and the culture. Did you get a sense as, as you got in front of 
doing the good work that we're going to be talking about today, it alleviated some of the legal challenges that organizations would see? Oh, absolutely. Because in the back of my mind is all of that learning. And at times it would come to the forefront as we were dealing with different situations and trying to make sure that we handle things in a way that really supports our associates in the organization, Mm -hmm. really drives the business goals and the business initiatives, but also does it in a compliant way and managing down, down risk. I tell leaders that, you know, we could really, really do well from a productive standpoint and profitability standpoint. And you could start to see that all go out the back door if you're not really paying attention to how you're doing it with respect to your talent. You could lose image, you could lose goodwill, you could have all sorts of complications that disrupt business that are just not necessary at all because no one's really intending to do anything incorrectly. It's just when you're moving very fast from a business standpoint, sometimes you don't stop and think, oh, wait a minute, let's process this and make sure it's the right way to do this. So so I have always in my career said, you know, I'm not going to tell you necessarily that you can't do it. I'm going to tell you the right way to do it and what path to take. So my background has been very helpful. Oh, fantastic. And that that's such a great lead-in to today's conversation. And our first topic is about leadership. And I so enjoyed your mindset and your approach to leadership. And you really broke it down into three areas that you're very passionate about. Servant leadership, inclusive leadership, which includes inclusive teams and a culture, and coaching or mentoring others and the impact that mentors had in your life. And so I'd love to break it down and talk about each of these topics because there's there's so much to share in each of those. And the servant leadership, I, I thought, was just very powerful because you, th- you said that there were people in your life that it was a journey almost that got you to where you are today and that you really feel a responsibility to give back and to serve others in your role because of that journey. Can you talk a little bit more about your servant leadership experience and philosophy and why that's so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, it makes me feel good to see to think about it because I can I, see the I, smile I, on your face. <laughs> I, I really, really cherish the experiences that got me to, to where I am and the people who were in my life who helped me along the way. And many of them don't even know they, they helped me. Some were very intentional about it and some were just, you know, kind, strong leaders support. And I've always believed in having a personal board of directors. So, you know, those may not necessarily be business people. So so most often a couple of them are, and they have relevant experience to, to what I'm doing, but, you know, it's also those, those people who know me and know my passion and know how to help me, you know, navigate and work through issues and, and who will support me and champion me and who will also call me on my stuff, you know, (laughs) (laughs) who also say, "Eh, not so much Donna, you know, I've, I've, I've known you for how many years now. And so my journey to where I am now, and when I think about it, I would have never have thought, you know, some 20 years ago that I would be a chief people officer in the C-suite reporting to the CEO 
and serving an organization with thousands of people with so much responsibility for those individuals and in healthcare, the members. We have 3.1 million members that we that we serve, the communities that we serve. So it's a really important responsibility. It's very, very humbling, very humbling. Mm-hmm. And I truly believe that my journey was to put me here to serve others. And servant leadership is, is really about, in my view, is really about how can I put my best foot forward to really support others to achieve and attain what they want to attain, to inspire others to rise to their highest potential, you know, use my strengths to strengthen others. Yeah. And that's at work. That's in my community. That's in my family. But the journey of my career has really helped position me to be able to do that, I think, in a meaningful way. And I and I love it and I enjoy it. And to me, it's precious. So every day I'm thankful for it. That's fantastic. And I love the way you talk about to unlock the thinking and potential in others is, you know, so beautifully put, but yet so powerful, right? You know, because you you do shift in how people think. And we're going to get into a conversation about mentoring versus coaching. So I don't want to jump ahead too far, but I think it is a fantastic way to step up to your role with gratitude and appreciation and to reflect on all that you know, that happened in your life to get you to where you are to then serve others, right? You know, you didn't jump and you're now the, you know, chief people officer. It's really, this is a big responsibility that I have to serve a big community of people, both within Emblem and outside. Absolutely. And the, the, the skills learned on this journey are transferable skills. It's not just about the environment at work, but, uh, you know, it's transferable to life and, mm-hmm. and what I do in life and how I support others as they navigate their professional and personal lives. So while, you know, some might think this is a little strange because maybe I just can't get enough of it, but I actually support folks in their, you know, professional desires and goals on my weekend time. I, mm. I spend time coaching people who are in a situation where they want to grow, where they want to achieve goals, where they're stuck and they want to get unstuck. They may have a, and this is mentoring versus coaching, or they may have a background that I have and they want to know, well, how is it to be a young lawyer or how is it to be a lawyer who transitions to HR? That's what I'm thinking about. I, I get many calls from people looking to do some of those things because people say, oh, well, Donna did that. You know, you may want to talk to her. She will support you. And so it is fulfilling to me mm. to be able to support others on their journey and give back what many have given to me. That's fantastic. And you impact lives. I mean, we say that M3 all the time, you know, to be given the opportunity to impact lives is a big responsibility, but it's such a gift in many ways. And I think Uh, you, you just amplify that to um, such a a level. It is such a gift. I know folks feel, okay, I'm giving to them, but it it is also a gift to me. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. Your viewpoint on inclusive leadership, because diversity, inclusion is such a hot topic these days. And this was another moment where you opened my eyes to inclusive leadership means a different way of thinking. And I think it really challenges leaders about making sure we have a diverse group at the table, but we also create an inclusive conversation and we invite people to feel safe and to contribute. And so I just think that, you know, you talk about inclusive teams, thinking and systems stimulates growth. And and I was thinking about that after our conversation of how many organizations don't have that and how stifling it must be for those people wanting to contribute. Can you share with our audience, because I just don't do it justice, your thoughts on in- inclusive leadership and the power of that? Yeah. So to your point, inclusive leadership is very broad. And I think many think of it in a much narrower way. Mm-hmm. And really, to your point, focus more on do I interview you know, a diverse slate of candidates? Do I have a, a diverse team? That's a nice starting point. Exactly. <laughs> it's a nice starting point. But if you if you don't lead in an inclusive way, doesn't matter, you know, who's on the team, you're not really inviting them to the table of discussion. You're not really giving them the opportunity to grow and therefore the opportunity to be recognized and bring innovation to the organization and have them also be potential for progressive leadership roles within your organization. And I think many are failing to be intentional and sit and think about what does it really mean to be an inclusive leader? There are so many things that can be done to make sure that you are inviting people to elevate their voice and be a part of the conversation and bring their contributions in. And Start with who do I talk to most of the time during the day? Which of my colleagues are I spending my time with? You know, find others within the organization and who report to you that are different than you and really spend some time working with them. When you start a a meeting, are you allowing people to speak within that meeting or do you start the meeting by saying, well, let me tell you what I think. This is what I thought about last night. And, you know, here's what I think. And what do you guys think? Well, fair chance that the more senior you are, the the more you will quiet the voices in that room. Not intentionally, mm-hmm. but it just it's just the nature of the individuals who are in the room to say, oh, my gosh, that voice has spoken. They're a senior leader. They are responsible for the decisions. My idea was very different. Maybe I shouldn't even pose that idea. To be inclusive is to really be open enough to provide psychological safety and provide space for others to contribute. And then, of course, thinking about how you mentor others, thinking about how you grow others. But initially, there's a lot of small changes that leaders could make that I think they would find remarkable results from if they just step back and 
allowed people to truly be a participant within their teams and their organizations and really be able to have freedom to do that and bring their own personalities to the table, their own experiences to the table, their own backgrounds to the table, their own way of thinking, their approach and style, whether you be an extrovert or or an introvert, you know, clear the room so that everyone knows that, you know, there is no silly idea and that you are an equal part of this team. And I want you to bring everything that you have, experience, background, thoughts, culture, everything that you have to be able to influence us to get to the right solution. That's fantastic. And I think for many of our listeners, they're probably reflecting a little bit on how they typically open a meeting, you know, because there's the agenda, we've got to get this done and let's dive in and, and go for it. Where I think to, to pause and to open a meeting or open team development programs, like you're saying, with a very different conversation about how you want to be a part of it and what you want others to experience, not expect, but experience being a part of that conversation is is a game changer, you know? And I think that the amount of stimulation and growth an organization can have from that end of things is really great. Yeah. I would sum it up like this for leaders to think about. You want people to bring 100 plus percent to what they do every day. Take a second to think about, is there anything that you are doing or not doing that doesn't support that, that Mm -hmm. doesn't allow that? Mm -hmm. Really, really take time to think about whether or not there's anything that you could do better, anything that you could change that allows individuals to bring 100% to the table every day. It's fantastic. And and to be that inclusive leader um, and, and doing that by by having those conversations. But you, you've yes. also talked about in previous conversations, blind spots or shadows. And I think that this is a big blind spot for many leaders, right? They think that they're doing everything they're supposed to doing, but yet they're missing right is in front, right in front of them of all these brilliant minds and people that are going to want to show up and contribute in different ways. Can you just give people a snippet on how they can be more conscious or spend some time thinking about what their blind spots may be that would impact something like inclusiveness? Yeah. I mentioned earlier about, you know, one particular way, which is to take time to think about whether or not you are fully engaging your team, your colleagues cross-functionally, or do you lean into those who have the same interests, the same background, the same socioeconomic, you know, background, the same schooling? And that is quite frankly normal. So I'm not saying that there's something wrong with that. That really is kind of how the brain works, that you just gravitate towards similar interests and things that you can talk about because you have some common ground. You know, a really strong leader reaches out to those with whom they have no common ground. And I've had those in my life. You mentioned earlier mentoring being a part of 
my experience and how I grew from, from mentoring. We have an inclusive leadership course at Emblem Health, and sometimes I do the introduction to introduce the facilitators, and, and I let the colleagues taking that course know that this is an investment in yourself so that you can be able to truly invest in, in others. And I share with them a part of my experience, which is that I've had mentors who I had nothing in common with. I, I mean, like virtually nothing. I'm an African-American female. They were white males. I'm more liberal. They were more conservative, different socioeconomic background and different progression in life and different expertise, just very, very different. And we, outside of work, we walked in different circles. And I share that with people because I want them to know that they saw something in me and they reached out to be supportive, became some of the most influential people in my life in terms of my career progression. One of them was the one I mentioned earlier who called me and said, I want you to come over and be my CHRO. And to this day, we are friends. And I still call them and say, hey, can we talk about something I want to share with you and get your thoughts on it? You know, they're retired now. But that's an example of really being an inclusive leader. And also, I would dare say that a couple of them really didn't see themselves as mentoring me. They were just being great leaders. And I have defined it as a mentoring relationship. That is fantastic. Well, let's let's stay on that conversation because what you just shared is so powerful. And, and the word that comes to mind for me, and I shared this with you before, was such an authentic relationship. And they didn't see themselves of signing up for Donna's mentor. It was more, it just happened. And you beautifully described it when, when we were first chatting as they saw a light in you. I will always remember that. And I thought, I'm sure it was authentic in that it was a two-way street. They were learning from you. You were learning from them. And there was such an opportunity to grow together. And I think that's the beauty of mentorship is that it's not just acting as that mentor. I think people have to have that mind shift of we're going to grow together and who in your life can you be learning from and sharing your experiences with to have it be a more powerful experience. And you talked about, again, those that had nothing in common with you, which I think actually adds more energy and life to mentoring, you know, because there is so much to, and that you said that differences such as gender, race, backgrounds didn't divide your relationship, but it enhanced your relationship. And, you know, that was a statement that really stuck with me. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think it's, it's impactful. Yeah. I believed we had nothing or almost nothing in common. But when we really spent more time with each other, we did have things in common, some common ground, and maybe it wasn't so obvious. And that's one of the things that I think is the beauty of diversity and diverse teams and bringing folks together is that, you know, you may not have anything that is 
a pulling force at the beginning. But once we really get together and spend that time with each other and get to know each other, you do start to have common ground and you do start to have those types of relationships that become, you know, very strong collegial friendships along the way, which is what has really happened for me. So I want to make that point clear that relationships evolve and they're really, really important to your growth and to help others grow. And I would say that in my position, you know, is this kind of reverse mentoring, so to speak, that in my position and because of what I bring to the table, you know, I was able to influence on things and teach things that maybe they didn't know, even though they were more senior to me, even though they had risen to these very accomplished titles and positions and known globally. But I bring something to the table for them to learn from, too. Because of my background, my experiences, my diverse nature, I'm bringing to the table something that makes them think differently. And I don't have any problem challenging leaders to (laughs) think differently. (laughs) So I, I lean into that. And that's why it's good to have those types of relationships, because I feel confident that I was able to challenge along my way to help leaders see things differently, to help leaders embrace different relationships, to help leaders be mindful that there are different ways of doing things and also to clear blind spots. Yes. To just ask, have you thought about this? Should we introduce that? Did you talk to Sally? Did you look at this resume for this particular candidate? These are the things that I say on a daily basis and have in my in my career to make sure that I'm challenging people to go beyond what they know and what's right in front of them. You know, like what's right in front of the palm of the hand, pull it back, exactly. pull it back away from your face so that you can see so, so much more. Fantastic. And so we had this hearty conversation about mentoring versus coaching. And I think you were just sharing some examples of you're shifting a little bit from mentoring to coaching leaders, you know, and and you'd also explain that, you know, sometimes you're bouncing back and forth. But can you tell our audience more about how you see those roles very different? And I'll tap a second question onto that of, when you work with leaders, very accomplished leaders in their careers that are used to leading by their titles, their metrics, the data, and you, I think you give them a gift of coaching them to shift in how they're thinking, even if they're in much later in their their career. So, yeah. you know, a lot to unpackage there, but just the mentoring versus coaching and how you really coach leaders at all stages in their career. Yeah. So coaching has been front and center 2020 and now 2021 because the world has changed and there's been so much going on, whether it's COVID-19 or racism or social unrest or Asian hate or storming on the Capitol. I mean, we have seen things and to live all those things during a pandemic, we have seen things that 
whether you are conscious that it is impacting you in the in the workplace, whether you're conscious of that in the moment, you will find out that it is because at some point what is happening in the world enters the workplace because we are all people. We're all absorbing it. We all have perspectives about it. We all have certain feelings about it. It's challenging. And leaders have to know that this is a time where you have to really figure out how you can lead at your very best, meeting employees where they are, being that empathetic leader, and giving what's necessary in order for your colleagues to be able to come to work, do the job, do it well, but still say, you know what? I'm not okay today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and giving grace when it's not okay, when, when people are not okay, because they'll give you what they need to give you when they can. But in this very moment, they're challenged by COVID-19. They're challenged by what happened on the news last night. It's been a lot. And so, you know, coaching the question that you asked me about the difference between the two, but I say all of this to say, you know, it's been even more important now than it, than previous coaching varies from mentoring where mentoring is really when I mentor, I, it's usually a relationship where I have more experience, you know, I'm more senior, I have more in, in my background and I'm tapping into that in order to support someone's growth. When coaching, I'm asking the provocative questions to tap into that leader to help them see different perspectives, you know, think about things in different ways, tap into whatever motivates them to gather some learnings, take those learnings and be able to apply them to the goal that they're trying to get to. Or if they're stuck in a situation, they don't know how to handle a certain situation, helping them to get unstuck in that situation. So I'm asking the provocative questions to move something within that leader so that they can have the growth they need to have in order to meet that specific goal, that challenge, that circumstance, how I might do it or how I may have done it may not be very helpful in that situation. And it may not be helpful going forward because if I really want to help you rise to be a greater leader, I need to help you build the toolkit that you're going to carry forward and I'm not in that toolkit. I can't jump in that bag and go with you. <laughs> I bet they wish you could. But. Right, right. So, so the toolkit, the muscle to handle the situation going forward, and that is something that can be used no matter what level a leader is at. And the challenge right now is that things are so different and leaders are leading the way they always have. Yes. And that may be okay for a few things, but just like 
things change in business, just like things change in order for us to be more competitive, you have to always consider whether or not you need to adapt and be agile in your leadership style. And 2020 should have taught us that, if nothing else, that we must really look within and figure out whether or not we need different focuses for our journey as leaders. And how can we use this experience that we've been through to learn to be more competent leaders for our organization, for our colleagues, and as examples and role models for the next generation. Mm. Yeah. So powerful. And I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that your statement of how people have led in the past isn't going to work today. And just what a incredibly challenging year the last 2020, and I would say 18 months has been for us. Two things I want to cover as we're winding down here, because there's so much here, but staying with, you know, kind of lessons from 2020, you talk about people remember how leaders showed up, how they helped navigate, how they accepted the whole person and what they were going through. And you know, the, the million dollar question I get every day at M3 is, you know, Mary Malone, how can we recruit and retain talent? We've got positions to fill, you know, and I keep saying, we let's peel back the onion. You know, there's, there's such a role and responsibility that leaders and organizations have today that when you do the right thing, you're going to recruit and retain great people. You said to me the other day, it's such a different environment and how organizations are going to recruit and retain talent. Can you share more on that? Yeah, sure. So I spend a lot of time interviewing senior leaders, potential leaders to come into the organization. But I also spend a lot of time with my talent acquisition team to really talk about what they are seeing throughout the organization in terms of their efforts of interviewing and keeping their hand on the pulse of what it is that colleagues want. And we've come to the same conclusion, which is that potential employees, candidates today are being more intentional than ever in choosing where they want to go. And they are asking bold and direct questions. They want to understand what the environment is like. They want to understand what the culture is like. They want to understand what are the great attributes that the organization has? And they want you to be honest about what you're working on. Mm. They want to know what they're walking into because this has been a time where, where it has challenged all of us to think about what we want to do in life and what we will tolerate or not tolerate, what motivates us and what we can leave behind. And so they're asking the questions. And internally, the colleagues that you have are also asking the questions and challenging and making sure that if you committed to certain promises, they will indeed happen. Or if there are areas of growth for the organization, that they're shining spotlights on it and saying, hey, can we talk about this? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, they really want to be a part of a very positive environment after all that have, we have all gone through, and they want to be a part of making organizations better. 
And so that is something that I think organizations, I hope, have focused on in this last year because how you show up in the time of crisis, and we have been in crisis, will be remembered. And this will be remembered for a very long time in terms of how organizations present this and what did you do to really support your colleagues and make sure that your culture and your environment was supportive and also that, you know, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, you do what you're supposed to do to encourage and support in such difficult times. And so we spent a lot of time at Emblem Health in 2020 and still now, really making sure that our colleagues were leading with empathy, that they had the tools to help people in situations as folks were passing away from COVID and challenged with so much that was going on. Now, remember, we're in healthcare, so it's it's a double, triple whammy. Not We're talking about COVID all day long because it's our, our work, and we're serving people who are sick. And then we go home and try to care for our families, and some of us have, have lost colleagues during this time frame. So supporting colleagues during that time and during this time is incredibly important. One thing that we did during this time in the organization, I was very focused for 2020 on culture initiative. And we had discussions internally about, oh my gosh, there's so much going on. Do we really have time to invest in focus groups and pulling people together and having these conversations, you know, we need to keep their eye on the ball because we, we didn't know this crisis was going to come. We already had our goals and achievements that we needed to attend to without COVID, but now we've got COVID that is shifting the game. What do we do here? And my thought and recommendation and very happy that it was accepted is that there will be change whether we want it to happen or not. Yes. And so this is the time, if any time, this is the time to be really intentional about the culture that we want to have going forward to make sure that we have high performing teams and that we are driving to the right solutions and getting to our goals and achieving and exceeding those goals. This, if there was ever a time, this is the time, notwithstanding the fact that we are exhausted by everything else. So we did embark on that initiative, which took a lot of time and having a lot of conversations with leaders, having a lot of focus groups cross-functionally at all levels of the organization, doing surveys to touch the organization and really find out how people were viewing the organization today and what are the attributes they think are great and what attributes do they want to leave behind? And they were more than happy to have these conversations because, like I said, these are the things that are on a colleague's minds in terms of right. attracting and retaining talent. And so they were more than happy to take that time out, carve that time out to have those conversations. And we learned that our colleagues really, really were focused on care. And we knew that already, but still ever more so focused on care, care for the members, care for the patients, care for the customers, care for each other. Mm. And that was the number one attribute that, that they wanted to see us carry forward and not lose 
not lose in the midst of everything that was going on. That is what connects us. That is what makes us great. And the next most important attribute was diversity. Mm -hmm. We are a diverse organization. We strive to be as diverse as the communities in which we serve. And we were doing a lot of work in the organization around supporting diversity, equity, inclusion. And our colleagues said, don't stop that work. Don't stop that work. It's really important for us to move forward. And so at the top of the year, when everybody was trying to catch their breath and every organization was trying to catch their breath, we rolled out new values that were informed by these conversations and power delivering do it together. And currently are really spending a lot of time throughout the organization, you know, highlighting the competencies around those values and what and what they truly mean to us. And it's totally a grassroots effort. And it was done all during a time where there was outrageous, massive change otherwise. But the outcome confirms that it was necessary, it was important, and it was timely. Oh, I mean, you couldn't have imagined, you know, talk about the test, right? Everything that we've talked about today, you know, of mentorship, coaching, inclusive leadership, giving leaders the skills, the toolbox, because who could have ever imagined, right? And to really step up and be aware of their blind spots to lead, and then to embark upon this time to really look at your values, your mission, your vision. And you used the word, you know, when you were telling me the story about we couldn't pause. And I was like, you're right. You couldn't, like you couldn't pause because the change is going to happen so fast. And you stayed with it as an organization. And I've spent quite a bit of time reading about Emblem Health and one of the, I think it's your, your mission or your vision, but Karen Ignani had the president of and CEO of Emblem Health stated that our enterprise mission is to create healthier futures for our customers and our communities. And our most important valued resources are our employees. And I think it truly brings everything that we've talked about today home. You know, that it starts with the employees, you serve your communities, but you do it with such intentional actions and such investment so they can go and invest in others that it just it it stood out to me tremendously and one of the other stories that you shared with me is that you had a remembrance service for all of the individuals that are part of emblem who lost a loved one a, a friend a family member and that action speaks louder than anything that I can think of to show where your values show up and how much you care. So I can only imagine how many employees would love to be a part of your organization and how many employees are very proud to be a part of your organization hearing all that we've talked about today. Yeah, it really is an organization where like our value do it together. We are family and we do it together. And when we lost colleagues as a consequence of covid We were really focused on being there together as a team, supporting each other because we had voids, supporting the families who had lost individuals. And the remembrance was a moment of healing for us so that we could take some real time to be respectful of the lives of the colleagues we had lost and to celebrate those lives. Mm -hmm. But to have some healing around that, because 
just like in every other situation, you know, you have to keep moving on. The business is still moving. Life is still going on. But we needed to really stop and allow everyone to just take a moment and really just honor them and virtually hug. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Well, in our last minute, can you share one tip or piece of advice for our listeners that they can walk away with? There's a there's a list, but if you would close with what stands out to you the most would be really appreciated. Yeah, I would say two things. I'm a work in progress and I believe others are too. I don't think that's just me. I say it all the time. (laughs) So this is a continuous journey and we should always be focused on continuous learning on growth mindset. There is so much to learn as we move forward and embrace that and really say, no matter how long I have been doing this, there's still something I could learn and do better. If you if you walk as a leader with that mindset, you truly will inspire others. You truly will be a great role model and you truly will open yourself to learning things that can only be more helpful to you and more helpful to others. So, so I say really just continue in the learning and be brave. Be mm. brave, be courageous. That's how breakthroughs happen. Be brave and be courageous. Put yourself out there. That's that is fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I am grateful that our paths crossed. And I think that this will be a relationship and you will be a mentor and coach to me for many years to come. (laughs) But I'm just so pleased with today's conversation and the opportunity to shift some thinking or to give people the energy to keep going and the courage to keep going. And so I appreciate your time and your thoughts and your words of wisdom. And I wish you the very best to Emblem and to continue on this great journey. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to spend some time with you. Thank you for the opportunity. And I enjoyed our conversation. I did too. Thank you, Donna. Thank you for listening to the Moments with M3 Leadership Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. For more information on our vision, please visit m3placement.com.